When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to Cureleaf, a medical marijuana dispensary. Whether you're a longtime patient or you're just getting acquainted with this incredible plant, Cureleaf of Pennsylvania is honored to guide you along your medical marijuana journey. This is the Blue White Breakdown. The premier podcast for all things Penn State football. Talk about culture. It's something that should show up in every aspect of your program. It's the Blue White Breakdown. Brought to you by Penn Live. Here are your hosts, Bob Flounders and David Jones. All right, Penn State fans, it's Michigan Week, one of Dave Jones's favorite weeks because he gets to talk about his favorite coach in the Big Ten. We'll get to that on this edition of the Blue White Breakdown. It's James Franklin Tuesday. We're going to react to some of the things he had to say. First of two podcasts. We might even have a special guest from our sister site out in Michigan on our Thursday podcast. We might have a special guest for you guys to give some insight on the Wolverines. But let's talk, Dave. Let's talk about a lot of things. Um, I am in the midst of a... uh, (laughs) <laughs> a street remodel right outside my house that's really been enjoyable the last uh, 24 hours. Is, is that what you call it? A street, a, street, a street remodeling? I didn't know they called it that. Yeah, that's, that's what sounds, I'm calling it. Are they using yeah. high-end uh, materials? They, they upgrading? Marble, the, I, I maybe? It's they, it's UGI is updating their they're updating the gas. I guess the, the gas system and the pipes and everything has to go. It has you go to out go and now. talk to the guys? I t- talked to him yesterday. I see. And, uh, I they... see you're using uh, 20 gauge there, huh? You know, <laughs> some of that kind of stuff. Just, <laughs> it's all ball bearings kind of stuff. I would. I would pay to see you talking to yeah. heavy duty construction workers. Yeah, yeah. I would like. They, that. And they are. They're. They're. I mean, they're jackhammering and they're doing. They're digging a lot of holes. It's. It is like the scene out of uh, Caddyshack when the Gophers ran amok at Bushwood and just tore the, tore the place <laughs> apart I, where I live in Harrisburg. It's a pretty prominent road and they decided to, to remodel it and uh, change some things this week. And it's going on literally right outside my house. Well, so, you know, with Bob, Bob, it needed remodeled. Uh, that's infrastructure. You know, no one wants to talk about infrastructure until it's your, your street, you know, you know what I mean? <laughs> I, the one thing, if I could do it all over again, I would have loaded up on uh, aspirin and Advil because it the jack the jackhammering does eventually take its toll uh, on your ears and your head. Anyway, just, just means you're getting old. That's all. It is. It, that's that's another way of looking at it. And I'm not drinking enough to kind either of that or you're hungover. Yeah, you're you're not drinking enough or drinking too much. I don't know. Yeah, uh, I try, Dave. I try. So, Dave, we just heard from James Franklin a little while ago. Um, Pretty straightforward press conference, I thought. But the one thing I just wanted to ask you about—he's a little sensitive about that timeout, isn't he? Yeah, and I—I I, so there's there are trigger words for James Franklin when he says something. <laughs> you know he's going to get something off his chest. And Dave, have you picked up on it? Whatever he says, it's interesting. You know yeah. <laughs> that is the trigger. That's good. 
That's good. That, 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 like, no, I didn't pick that up. And you're right. Whatever he says true. something with, you know, it's interesting. I, he I is, think he's going to vent a little bit. I think it's interesting when, yeah, the fans <laughs> no, it's, and yeah, I you're think, right. Yeah, you're right. You know, it's interesting. In. And yeah, then work that into the routine. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. what was the wording? Uh, it really, the question wasn't, it, it, Nate Bauer asked about fourth down conversions yeah. and whether the result affects future decisions. Yeah. And he, he wanted to talk about that again. So, you know, he goes, obviously the end of the half, uh, you know, Maryland <laughs> played it very well and uh, you, you don't want to give him a chance to score. And the average tactic is to run it into a light box <laughs> and maybe take a shot. So the time, the timeout was well, well received by the fans and the media, you know, <laughs> I just, Dave, I just can't get over the fact that in the time it took for the game to be over and he got to the press conference, he got worked up in a lather about this. Somebody had to say well, something. Was he, to him. was he looking at tweets? I mean, you know, how I do you think even somebody know? pointed him in the right direction because he was, he was clearly not happy in the post game presser. And he, he revisited again today. Like, I don't know, was he justifying it? But it just was a very strange possession that probably Who needed. asked the question in the post game? I can't think. Ben Jones? I don't want to be that guy. <laughs> I think it might have been Audrey. I think no, it wasn't Audrey. He says whoever said it said I don't want to be that guy. Uh, I don't. <laughs> Maybe it was one. Ben. Yeah, it might have been. Yeah. Anyway, anyway anything else uh, strike you about what he had to say? Well, the the Fred Hansard play, which really, yeah. I, you know, I am really weary of people saying that's not who I am, you know, like urban Meyer saying not, that's sure. not who I am. Well, you know, when people show you who they are, maybe that is who you are, but, but he kind of rationalized a little more for You don't have to drill into the ground, but Fred Hansard made a, you, you pointed it out. You saw it before I did on the sideline. When, it looked uh, like it was a pretty nice little shove there. I yeah, mean, it was, it, it was premeditated to me. It was the thing where you brace yourself when someone's running out of bounds. Yeah. You, you, it's really not even a shove as much as you make yourself. It's like setting a pick in basketball when you know the guy doesn't see you. Sure. And there's a line between setting a good pick and setting, setting a crushing pick that's going to bust up the, the guy a little bit. And if you're playing pickup ball, you do that, and there's going to be a fight. I mean, there's going to at least be an argument. Um, this was not pickup ball. This is along the sideline, and Fred Hansard isn't playing, and he basically just made himself a Greek column. And he's a big boy. He's a big guy, man. And and Talia yeah. Tungavaloa ran right into him. And, you know, it was a dirty play. There's no question about it. I think you pointed that out during the game. And... Franklin said the, the optics of it don't look good, but he's, <laughs> he's been a model student, you know, athlete, you know, and all that. And I, I don't think he had any intentions of hurting another player is what he said. Well, yeah. you know, maybe he didn't premeditate it. It's just something that can happen in the heat of battle. Okay. But, you know, you do something like that to, to put a bruise on somebody. That's why you do it. Well, yeah, you're, you are trying to kind of, kind of yeah. bang up the other guy. So he, he stopped at, it was a bad look and there needs to Optics. be a reaction. Yeah. I don't like good look, bad look. I'm sick of that phrase too. Yeah. Um, but there needed to be a reaction. So they, they suspended Hansard for, uh, 
the first half of Michigan, which, you know, I don't know what that accomplishes, but it's, yeah, it's, I don't think he's even was even going to play in the first he's not, half. He's not on the depth chart if there was a depth chart. But Dave, as Dave, as a noted basketball follower, a uh, Hall of Fame writer, just I want to ask you this Who did it better, Fred Hansard or Rick Mahorn, when it comes oh, to, it, you know, you know, who never got credit for the picks he, he set for Penn State fans is James Barnes. Oh, my God. Now, I don't even know if you remember this guy. He's 30, 30 years ago, played for the team that upset UCLA in the tournament. He said he set one of those against like Sean Tarver or somebody in that game at the, at the carrier dome and the whole crowd in the carrier dome went, Ooh, <laughs> it was, you know, when you see one of those, if it's a guy that big and James Barnes was six, seven and two forty, if he was a buck, mm-hmm. um, you don't really have to lean into him too much. You just are there. And if the guy doesn't see you and your teammate doesn't say, say screen, uh, you know, you can, it, you can really get hurt. So that was that, it was that kind of thing. I mean, Talia yeah. Tungabaloa didn't see that coming. So right. you, you can get hurt, man. Yeah. Shout out to 19, early 1990s Penn State basketball. Well done, Dave. I like it. I like it. Uh, Rick Mahorn was a bad, bad man when it came to setting picks, throwing elbows and all that stuff for the bad boys. Yeah. I mean, um, there were a he lot was about of as big like as uh, Fred Hansard too. There were a lot of the guys on that team, the bad boys yeah. who, would do that. Um, but, but yeah, there, there've been a lot of guys through John Amici could set a pick too, man. Okay. John, it it takes a big guy with density. You know what I mean? Big bone guy that have you ever done it? Have you run and run to a pick like that? You didn't see, I have not. It's like a a later this week. No, I don't, I have not. It's the same reason they, they made crackback blocks illegal. Sure. Um, because if you don't expect it, you, you can't, you're helpless and you can, you can really mess up your head. You can get some scrambled eggs from that. Welcome to Cureleaf, a medical marijuana dispensary. Whether you're a longtime patient or you're just getting acquainted with this incredible plant, Cureleaf of Pennsylvania is honored to guide you along your medical marijuana journey. Have questions? Visit us at cureleaf.com or stop in to see us at any of our 12 locations. Let's talk medical marijuana and let our confidence become yours. Dave, I know we're going to talk about this during the matchup uh, podcast, the second podcast we do. But I just all all week, the thing that I'm going to be thinking about, and and James said at the top of his uh, press conference, look, Michigan's edge men are are no one to mess around with. Uh, Hutchinson and David Ojabo, they they can wreck a game. Um, They can take over a game. And if your offensive tackles, don't have a good day. It's not going to be a good day for your team. And I know we will talk about it later, but I just think that matchup to me is going to go so far in determining uh, the outcome of the game. I really like those two uh, edge rushers that Michigan has. And I just, I'm really trying to think of how Penn state, you know, could kind of give, especially Caden Wallace. I think Caden Wallace is the more vulnerable of the two. He gave up another sack in the Maryland game where the guy just beat him right around the corner, easily got to Sean Clifford. I just don't know what, uh, you know, Mike Yursich is going to do to give those guys help because he cannot let those guys go one-on-one against Hutchinson and Ajabu, especially now, Dave, that Penn State's throwing the ball a ton. Like, they're not running the ball well, and the way things are going, I think Corey Geiger said they've thrown it, Clifford's thrown it a combined 99 times in the last two games. And 
I mean, it's 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 a recipe for disaster against those pass rushers. Yeah, Hutchinson, there are two very different types of guys. Hutchinson is the big, uh, so I think he's 6'6 and about yeah. two, 265, uh, d- power defensive end who is who can both bull rush or speed rush, but but he's he's better at bull rushing. Um, Ojabo is, I mean, he had a move against Indiana. Not, not too many people probably watch the Indiana game, but I watch them all for the power pole. And yeah, he, had you a, do. he had a spin move that was, geez, it was like James Brown, man. That's what I compared it to. It was, <laughs> it was incredible fit, footwork. And, you know, you were talking about Indiana's offensive tackles who aren't the greatest, but, uh, and Penn state's offensive tackles have been pretty good pass blockers. They haven't, they haven't run black run block very well, but they have pass block pretty well. Uh, yeah. He's going to be a problem because he is a much different player. He's more a hybrid uh, linebacker defensive end than, yeah. he, than he is even a traditional defensive end. He can drop back into coverage, but he can put his hand in the ground and then really get off. He's, he's bendy. Um, yeah. So the, you, those two guys, bring two completely different skill sets. And I, I think it's going to put a premium on first down passing. I, yeah. I think these days somebody else asked the question, well, I guess it was Geiger about, is it okay just to throw the ball 50 times a game these days? And I think it is, especially against these next three opponents. Uh, I don't think the establishing the running game thing even holds water anymore in today's football, just throw, 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 and especially throw in first down. Cause yeah. you do not want to get in a situation of second long, especially third and long against these guys. So Michigan's back four has not been great. Uh, they gave up a lot of yards against Michigan state. They're, they're fine, but they're no big deal. I say, just go at them right away and keep throwing yeah. And, and wear them out and use speed, use, use the speed you've been talking about in this game. This would be the time to do it. Yeah. James, uh, you can tell though, James feels strongly uh, that even if the run game isn't super productive and let's be honest, the odds of it being super productive in the Michigan game aren't great, Dave. They're not, it's not great, but he thinks though, just coming off the ball to try and wear them down physically uh, for later in the game, he want, he made a point of that when I asked him about Wallace and Walker, that sometimes that can help take some of the starch out of these pass rushers. I don't know if you feel that way, but he clearly does feel that way. So I wonder if maybe he will be in Mike Yersich's ear a little bit this week about don't give up completely on the run just to try and tire those guys out. So we'll see. Well, if yeah, that- I mean, I, the point's well taken. You take some some juice out of, I think it's more speed rushing defensive end. So maybe Ojabo more than Hutchinson. Hutchinson's yeah. not going to be affected by that at all. <laughs> He's a powerful guy. He's used to going 30 minutes or more. I don't think it's going to affect him. He's a, he's a three down defensive end. Um, to me, it's the other way. Uh, do you remember? I know we've tried to forget the Ticket City Bowl against Houston. Ah. Case, <laughs> Case Keenum. But you remember that Penn State pass rush was supposed to be you know, pretty lethal. And they took their legs away just throwing quick passes, quick passes, quick passes, speed, speed tempo all the time. I think that's just can be just as effective. Um, and I believe that's the way to go because, look, we've seen the Penn State running game. It's not getting better. Mm-hmm. We're in the final fourth of the season. Is it going to get better now? Oh. No. Uh, why bother? 
Don't try to do something you don't do well. Accentuate your positives. Limit your negatives. That's the way I look at it. I think that game was 30 to 14. 30 to 14, uh, correct. Penn State, if t- Penn State had to, I just, I, I'm sorry I'm laughing about this. I think you're going to laugh about it too. I just remember that was the 2011 season where at the end it was just a complete, you know, it was a disaster for a lot of reasons. It was the Paterno scandal, the Sandusky scandal, all of it. Tom Bradley was the interim coach, but Penn State had to start Rob Bolden because Matt McLoy got punched out in the locker room by I Curtis forgot Boyd. that. You're right. Yeah. And he was still concussed. But I just, I just, I'm trying to think about how that fight played out in the locker room in December. And once Rob Bolden was in the game, I mean, he hadn't played, I don't think, very much football the last few games or months of the season. Yeah, the whole <laughs> he just thing wasn't was ready. But, but Case Keenum knew how to run that offense, man. It was kind of that speed tempo was not that prevalent back then. Yeah. And they took the legs out of Penn State's. Who was, who were the Penn State pass rushers? I can't remember now. I'm trying to remember. I think Devin still was a defensive tackle yeah. on that team. I, I'm trying to remember their defensive ends, and I'm sure. Deion Barnes? Uh, no, it wasn't Barnes. I'm, uh, well, you know, I, I'm just trying to remember who those guys were. Um, but that but, was a pretty formidable pass rush, and they got nothing going. Um, I, also, you remember, so it was Case Keenan was the Houston quarterback. Who was the uh, the, the de facto coordinator? Well, was I'm trying to remember, was the head coach? Uh, he's a very well-known, the coordinator, the quarterback coach. He's a very well-known guy now. I know, but I was, wasn't the head coach, didn't he, wasn't it that guy, Kevin? Who was the head coach of that team? Yeah, it was an interim head coach, Tony. Uh, I, I can't remember his last name. Because the, the coach left for another job. It was yeah, Kevin yeah, Sumlin yeah. or something? It might have been Kevin Sumlin left. All right, who was the OC? Who was Cliff? I give up. Cliff Kingsbury. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Yeah. That was the, I spent a, I spent a couple of days in Mesquite, in Mesquite, Texas at Houston practices, which was, believe me, was just a breath of fresh air after the <laughs> Sandusky stand on and, and the coaching search and all of that, that still hadn't played out. And we were at the point where Mike Munchak very easily could have been the next head coach but he was in week 17 and they, they were alive for the playoffs against all odds, the Titans mm-hmm. and uh, Bud Adams, the owner finally buttonholed him and said, which is it, pal? Are you staying? Are you leaving? And I believe to this day, had the Titans not been in the uh, playoff hunt in week 17, he would have been the head coach, not Bill O'Brien. Anyway, I was over at Houston practices in Mesquite having a great time talking to Cliff Kingsbury. Because he was fascinating to talk to, and uh, I remembered him from uh, from Texas Tech, and he was—you could see—the guy had ambition in him, and you know, people are laughing at the the prospect of say Dan Mullen being an NFL coach, but I think they have the same because Mullen's not succeeding right now. Well, yeah, Clingsbury was not succeeding at Texas Tech either, and someone saw in him. I don't know. Is is the 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 young Bidwell still the guy and and with the Cardinals who's making the decision? Michael there? Bidwell, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and Steve Kime. Well, to, yeah. Well, to Steve Kime's credit, I mean, <laughs> nobody thought that was much of a hire, and look what's happened. Um, yeah. I I think when you see something in somebody, you don't necessarily have to look at the record 
you you see what you need and what they bring to the table, what they offer. And if you have a match, you have a match. Uh, I think Dan, Dan Mullen at Florida, same kind of thing. What are they, four and five and four right now? Or four They, they four? are struggling. He just fired yeah. a bunch of coaches too. Yeah. Dave, what do you think – what do you think of Josh Gaddis um, since he's left Penn State? I think he left initially. He left Penn State, I think, for Alabama, Alabama, yeah, for great. a couple of years, and now great he's team. been with Michigan. I think he's been the the OC. It's either two or three years now. Yes, three. What what uh what is your read on him? And do you think that you know what they're doing this year? Um, I know I think they've made a couple of changes. James referenced that. What do you see about what do you see from him and maybe as an OC? And I I couldn't tell, but he just kind of like he acknowledged he acknowledged Josh Gaddis, but didn't usually he just praises all his former coaches. He just kind of he just kind of glossed over that one. Well, you remember that was a touchy situation. Yeah. And these days I always go back to how much money you can make going from a position coach to a coordinator, from a coordinator to a head coach. Well, Yursich wants to be a head coach, clearly. And yeah. he can, you can quadruple your salary, which didn't used to be true. So Josh is after the 17 season. He wants to progress. He gets the offer from Alabama. And I think the uh, implicit uh, choice were there was, uh, you know, if you want to keep me, you got to make me a coordinator. Well, right. was he ready to be the coordinator to succeed Moorhead? I don't think so. Right. I, I don't think so. Uh, they chose Ricky Ronnie instead. You could argue right. that anyway, but was Josh Gaddis ready at that point to yep. be a coordinator? I wouldn't have made that choice. I wouldn't have made that choice. You can, I don't think you could ever blame James Franklin for not making that choice. So he goes, then he goes to Michigan, and then he's in a weird situation with, with Jim Harbaugh, who by all accounts is not the easiest guy to work for. <laughs> I mean, he has had assistants run through there, run through Stanford, uh, very few of them have survived more than three years. He's just uh, he's a he's a very oblique uh, kind of an odd guy, and I imagine you don't always know where you stand. So here's a young new offensive coordinator, first time offensive coordinator with essentially Bo Beckler as his head coach. What, you know, one of the most conservative guys ran a conservative scheme, even with a terrific quarterback at Stanford. You know, he did. He ran a he ran a really tough Andrew Luck. Yeah, he's got Andrew Luck, and he's running a lot of a lot of heavy tight end stuff with a blocking back. It worked. He ran it up good on Pete Carroll that one game. Yeah, yeah. yeah. What's your deal? (laughs) (laughs) Remember that? What's your deal? It's like Uh, 55-24. Oh man, and that was that was I think USC was like twenty one point favorites, right? Yeah, that was one of the one of the biggest. Uh, roles in in um, deviant from the uh, from the the line in, in Vegas history, but 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 the thing is, Gaddis has had a hard job learning how to. He's learning how to be a coordinator. He's doing it under Jim Harbaugh. Those are tough circumstances. So he's he's kind of tried to gra- gradually um, put in his own stuff, uh, try to humor Harbaugh and do it in a way where yeah. it's allowed. But I mean. They've had a lot of tools in that offense over the years. They've had some really good wilds. Look at what Donovan Peoples-Jones yeah. is doing in the NFL. Had a couple touchdowns Sunday. I mean, he's just an example of the kind of guys they've had that they've kind of wasted. Yep. Uh, Michigan has wasted talent. And when you hear of all the talent that Harbaugh has recruited in his uh, sixth, now seventh year there, that's not a joke, man. He's recruited serious talent. 
but he doesn't exploit it as other offensive. He's he's supposed to be an offensive mind. He was supposed to be an black quarterback whisperer. What's happened there? I mean, <laughs> the, the the starting quarterback Brandon Peters, who won the Penn State game, he was a former four-star Michigan quarterback recruit. Uh, the 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 roster has been littered with guys who are this is the guy this is the guy and Cade McNamara is just the latest version of this is the guy that's going to get us over the top and they're really until the Michigan State game they really did not prove they could throw the ball and they, they did against Michigan State's back seven which hasn't been able to to it's been their Achilles all season they haven't been able to to cover the pass all year but can they do it against this secondary I want to see it. You know, I want to see it. I, I think now you, you say the, the key matchups are pass blocking for Penn State, and you're right yeah. with Walker and Wallace against Hutchinson and Jabo. But I say if you're Penn State, if you're Brent Pry, don't you just jam the box like crazy and dare them to throw the ball against that secondary? Yeah. That's what I yeah. do. I love, I love the Brandon Peters two point. Uh, winning throw shout out. He waited and waited I, and waited. I love it. In nine overtimes, you're like, he won the game. Technically, he did. 357 yards rushing. A little had had a little bit to do with it. Sure. Penn oh, that State's kind of, that, playing that kind of, a guy that was 25% healthy at quarterback also yeah. had something to do with it, but I get it. I'm just saying he was a four-star recruit out I know. of high school. And and it did, he was a washout at Michigan. Yep. And that's happened over and over and over. Sure. Which you know brings us to um um, what you just said was is another another point that that Franklin broke up brought up. He has expected that jumbo set out of the last <laughs> two. Did you hear that? Yes. that? Illinois did, and rightfully so. If it, if it worked that well, the eight and even nine offensive linemen. We could see it this week. Uh, I think you might. I mean, you saw it from Michigan. <laughs> They're not going to stop it. No, they commonly had eight offensive linemen against Indiana. They did it quite a bit. I watched a lot of that tape. Yeah. And I think you're absolutely going to see it. And yet you didn't see it out of either Ohio State and Maryland, which which is strange. Yeah. Dave, I just have to ask you, are you seriously going to go a whole blue white breakdown podcast without mentioning shark face, the nickname? Because it's very out of the ordinary. I'm stunned you haven't used it yet. He's the most dangerous, ruthless creature in the city. (laughs) No, it's, it's Harbaugh. That's that's the nickname you like to. It's refer for the to power it. pole. It's only for the power pole because the power pole is supposed to be a little different. We're supposed to have a little. You've, you've mentioned it the last three weeks. <laughs> All right, Dave. Is there anything else kind of on your plate? Whether Scott it was Frost. The- we haven't mentioned Scott Frost. I know. Come on, I know. talk about my plate. What about your plate? You're the one that texted I know. me. I just, I just don't want to bore the Penn State audience with oh, it. But I'm sure. I think they hate Nebraska so much that they are probably do want to know just how bad it is at Nebraska. But yeah, Trev Alberts and Scott Frost team up and make a decision. Something's got to give, and it was it was Scott Frost's entire offensive. Assistant staff essentially just they just on the same day they announced that Frost would be back in 2022. They just cut ties with like five, four or five coaches. It was pretty pretty cold blooded, Dave. Bob and I had a text about this. I'll just tell everybody that because he I didn't see it. I was uh, doing yard work. I usually take Monday and and do a, a lot of other stuff that I can't do on the weekend. 
And I had not seen it. It was, a, you know, it was Bloody Monday, essentially, in Nebraska. And when yeah. you see these things where four or five or six assistants are all gone. In season. That, that immediately says two things. That the coach has sold out, the head coach has sold out everyone to save his own hide. Correct. Who it very, very probably is not going to work the next season. Because if you've got a guy who will do that, you've got a guy that people cannot count on. That's right. the way I look at it. Yeah. And we, we've seen this over and over with guys. This happens a lot in the SEC, where somebody like Butch Jones is doing anything he can to survive. And he will he is willing to do that. And then he's fired the next year. Uh, to me, it's a really bad indicator. And I think you said some things that you're not saying now about Scott. I cannot Butch. say some things in public. <laughs> I was not happy about it, but it is uh, it is what it is. And you're everything you said, everything. I agree with everything you said in the last uh, couple of minutes, Dave, I have to just not, I'm not trying to change topics, but I do think it's relevant. We also need to, we also need to point out that John Donovan also got the ax yesterday as oh. Washington's offensive coordinator. Jeez. I didn't see that. I didn't see it. Yeah. yeah. No. They were, they were, they were not scoring points at a prodigious clip this year at Washington. It, the numbers, I think, were pretty eerily similar to what happened maybe in 2015, his final season at Penn State. You know, you, know, you think, don't wish anybody uh, no, a I know. or anything, but isn't it strange how certain guys just keep getting jobs? You remember certain when guys you, can't get jobs. <laughs> they just keep getting these jobs. And it's like, you remember Gene Shue used to be like an Indian <laughs> Like four four different teams, you know, and they just kept hiring him, and he'd yeah. go thirty. He had amazing slacks, thirty eight and forty four everywhere he went, you know. Yeah, I, there was a couple of guys. Was Butch Van Bredikoff one of those guys? <laughs> There's another one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's another. But, one. Uh, I we do. I do wish John was nothing but nice during his time at Penn <laughs> State, but guy. I just I don't know. I don't know what possessed it's Jimmy Lake to say, hey. That's the guy I'm going to stick the I'm going to stick with him as my OC. That things look Jimmy pretty Lake, good. Jimmy Lake has his own problems. Yeah, I know. Yeah. I know yeah. he does. Uh, it's been a, it's been a bang up show. The jackhammers are starting in the background as we speak, Dave. Like I'm taking that as a sign that it's time for me to exit stage right. Mine uh, too. My guy up in our uh, second bedroom upstairs wants to to start ripping up the floor some more. He's redoing. Yeah. Redoing, we are getting upgrades. Your street isn't getting luxury upgrades, but we're getting luxury upgrades in the flooring update. I'm happy not for you. I'm happy for your dog Kaiser because he's worth it. You're not worth it, Dave. I wouldn't upgrade anything for you, but I would do it for your dog. He doesn't like slick floors. He doesn't. I don't like slick floors. Who does? Guitar and ACA. Okay, Bob Flounders and Dave Jones. That's it for this. Blue White Breakdown Podcast. Just remember, we're probably going to have a special guest for our next one to talk specifically about Dave's favorite coach, Sharkface. Um, until then, though, you guys have a great Tuesday or Wednesday, depending on when you Hi, watch sir. this. You want to say goodbye? Dave, I hope your dog's doing well. He's doing well right here. He wants to get you. Want to go out and play? You want to go out and throw the ball? Oh, look at those the ears. They're up. Okay. Let's go. All right. We're going to go. All right. See you guys soon. Yeah.